Welcome and let us in, folks. We are ready for another episode of Bass Edge Radio, brought to you by MegaWare Keelguard. You've heard us say it many times before. If you have a boat, personal watercraft, a rubber ducky, I don't care what it is. If it goes in the water, it needs a MegaWare Keelguard product. Be sure to visit them at keelguard.com. Aaron, without further ado, let's get a move on. Let's put the drain plug in. Let's rock it. Bass Edge Radio. Coming at ya. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keelguard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keelguard keel protectors. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio. In three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing. Coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. Kurt, summer certainly is well underway. You know, a lot of people think that the season has wound down just because of, you know, FLW and the various tournament trails, but that is not the case. I know you have been tearing it up across traveling with whether it be promotions, whether it be, you know, whatever. It's kind of like there's still a lot of stuff going on and certainly one of the largest things in the industry, ICAST. You bet, Aaron, ICAST. I didn't get to go this year, but uh, you see lots of great stuff on Bass Blaster and uh, don't don't forget that newsletter done by Jay Kumar. You can sign up for that Bass Gold at BassBlaster.com. Send Jay an email. Let him know you want to get that newsletter. But we're probably going to have a little iCast episode. Talk about some of those new products that came out of the market and uh, all kinds of new stuff. Uh, lots of ingenuity in the fishing industry. You, know, you think about the fishing industry as being you know kind of U.S. based, but really it's a global deal, and you really get that if you ever attend iCast. So uh, lots of really exciting stuff to talk about there. Hey, Aaron, I know we've got a uh, special guest today for our Protect the Harvest Pro Tip. Who's coming in to help us? Yeah, you know, usually we like to kind of uh, let that be announced at the time of the Pro Tip, but since it's just right around the corner, the doctor is in the house, and of course we are talking about Bass Edge's very own Dr. Jay McNamara, author, publisher of The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing, been with us since kind of the infancy of Bass Edge, and certainly really making us sharp in the mental focus arena and making us better anglers when it comes time to kind of controlling the space between our ears yeah dr j always fun to talk to and of course you know whenever i say the word dr j i gotta throw back to the 
old basketball days because uh, Dr. J was the man back in the day. Big Holy afro, he was strong. He was Tomahawk. absolutely the man, Kurt. I I had a basketball rubberized, of course. I think it was actually I think it was the top brand, the Voight. You remember the brand Voight basketballs? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And I had one of those, you know, fictitious uh, signatures that was on it where they mass produced probably millions at a time. But of course. Philadelphia 76ers, you know, the man could move. Dude, I, I can see you in your driveway with the Voight, with the Tomahawk. I think Dr. J started the, the Tomahawk dunk, so uh, pretty cool. But hey, let's get this moving. Let's move right into today's pro tip. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Hey mate, I'm back, the lead angler Carl Jockinson, and you're dialed in to Fast Edge Radio. The Edge Pro Tip segment is brought to you by ProtectTheHarvest.com, keeping our traditions alive for future generations. Mental Outlook with Dr. J. McNamara. Dr. J., we had a listener send in a question. We're going to have you tackle it. This person asks, this morning I went fishing and I was not in the zone. I knew I wasn't fishing to my true potential, and I had a hard time keeping positive even when I was marking schools of fish. Any recommendations on how to avoid this mental lapse in the future? Well, Kurt, congratulations to uh, Mike for paying attention to whether or not he's in the zone. As you know, we all know, a lot of people don't even do that. And if you've got markers for your uh, mental attitude, positive, negative in between, uh, that's a good sign. The first thing that we would say to Mike is uh, cut yourself some slack and maintain a positive attitude here toward yourself because no one's in the zone all the time. You pick the best athletes in the world, LeBron James and Alex Rodriguez, anybody, any sport, uh, even in fishing, Kevin Van Dam, you know, nobody's in the sport in the zone all the time. And so uh, it comes and goes. Being on fish and marking fish and not being able to catch them is frustrating for everybody. Uh, that's kind of a normal reaction. Uh, in terms of what to do, first thing is to not make it worse. So some guys find that they're uh, not fishing with a positive attitude and they get real down on themselves, get very discouraged. I just fished a tournament recently where the guy came at the weigh-in and he said, uh, you know, at 8 o'clock this morning and we started at 6, I knew I was going to be a bad day. So after two hours of fishing, the guy had essentially wrote himself off, came in with almost nothing, and the guys around us just shook their heads saying, you know, you can't think like that. If you're having a bad day or you start out being not in the zone, don't make it worse by criticizing yourself or telling yourself that the day is hopeless. Maintain that positive attitude of success. Um, the second thing, from a practical standpoint, is switch it up and see if you can find a spot or a technique or something that you know about on that lake that works for you. If not being in the zone extends over a period of days. Sometimes people will just switch up the lake or switch up the uh, area again and go to a spot with a technique that they know that they can be comfortable with just to get that feeling of confidence back. And then a third strategy is really to just stay positive and push on through this, knowing that emotional states, mental states, um, like uh, feeding moods for fish, change. And so staying focused, being attentive, that's very, very important. You can do that and just press on through it knowing that 
that your mental state is probably going to change again as long as you stay focused on making good decisions. Well, and certainly, Dr. J, you know, you cover in your book the psychology of exceptional fishing. Obviously, uh, we talk about all the time on Bass Edge since really the start of Bass Edge, and it's available certainly on BassEdge.com. But, you know, is the fact that when you're fishing and you're getting, you're always getting feedback and, and use that feedback to tell you something to spur a change or to spur you in a direction. So that's kind of essentially what you're saying, right? In other words, if you're making a cast and you're not getting that feedback, either be patient and know that that cycle that the fish are currently in will change or make that change yourself and try a different bait or a different area. Absolutely. You know, the most extreme example, Aaron, that you and I have talked about several times is when that big fish comes off right at the boat and it's so easy to get discouraged. Uh, not being able to catch the fish that you know that are there is a, you know, a step before that. But you have to be able to tell yourself that you've already done a lot of things correctly if you're to the stage that Mike's at. So he's gone to the area of the lake where he knows fish are. He's using his electronics effectively. He's located what he's pretty sure are good schools of fish, and for whatever reason, they're not biting his particular lure or his particular presentation. Well, we all know that there are are several things that you can do there in terms of changing up size or color or speed of your retrieve or casting angle even. And there are lots and lots of different things to think about and lots of different decisions to be made and lots of different options to work through in a situation like that before you decide that it's a mental issue. It's probably not a mental issue. It's probably a minor technique issue that needs to be addressed at that stage. That's all great stuff there, Dr. J. I appreciate you helping Mike with that question. And that is the Edge Pro Tip from ProtectTheHarvest.com. Two fishermen came together with one agenda. To construct bass boats superior in design and build with a flawless finish. With our boats exhilarating handling and smooth ride, extreme rough water just doesn't exist. We're not just building a boat. We're building a legend. Legend Boats. This episode's Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight brings a longtime touring pro who's currently living in Tennessee and fishing the BASS Elite Series. He's actually partnered with Twisted T. We've got pro angler Brandon Coulter. Awesome to have you on the show, Brandon. Thanks, guys. As we say, the radio fans, right? Long time listener, first time caller. So I'm uh, enjoying the show. I can't wait to get it going. Well, Brandon, before we get uh, too far down the rabbit hole here, I've got a business proposition for you. I want to know can I trade a case of like Lucas ethanol treatment or say two cycle oil for the twisted tea? Because uh, that kind of makes these hot summer days go by a little bit longer. And I, th- I think that's a fairly good proposition, isn't it? Absolutely. We uh, we can take care of that. You know, I know a guy. Okay. But, uh, I know a guy. We can help you out there. All right. I, I think we need to do a show where we're all just drinking twisted tea, and we'll see how far we can actually get into it before before we, <laughs> we start acting a little crazy. Uh, yeah, you, you'll be like this that song, Kurt. Uh, tequila makes your clothes come off. So I'm not sitting around drinking twisted tea with you. <laughs> Oh, man, what did I get myself into? Yeah, I, Kurt, Kurt didn't send you the disclaimer on this and when you signed. He just sent you the signature page. You probably didn't get the other 13 pages that go along with this. But, hey, Brandon, no, seriously, it is truly uh, great to have you on the show. And let's kind of 
jump right in. I want to talk a little bit about the column that you had on Bassmaster.com specifically in May that was really interesting as it referred to bass fishing anglers and sponsorship. Can you dive into this for the listeners on the show? I understand. I know you have a degree in marketing. Maybe tell us a little bit about where you graduated from, how you feel that this has helped you in obtaining that sponsorship, you know, some of those things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, like every kid that just beat up a fish, I, I grew up right in Pennsylvania and, uh, you know, wanted to fish every day. As you guys know, up north, you know, they have ice, they have all kinds of stuff. So when it came time to pick a college, you know, I, I based my college a lot on where I could fish all year. You know, the University of Tennessee, we got a friend that had moved down here in, well, let's just say the mid-80s. You know, I don't want to date myself too much. And uh, I came down and visited a few times and absolutely loved it. So I applied to the University of Tennessee. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do, but I ended up at the advertising college. You know, it's kind of a funky system. I think they've changed it in most schools now. But when I was in school at the University of Tennessee, we had the advertising degree was in the communications college. And so it was really, really based on creative and all those disciplines, you know, that I'm not very good at. The marketing college was in the business but it was easy to get a marketing minor back then. So I kind of gravitated more to the marketing minor and the advertising major just because the only thing I ever wanted to draw was a major. That's kind of where I went to school what I did. That's awesome. Lots of early educational process helped you along your way. You know, this has been obviously one of the biggest questions, I think, that some of us full-time pro anglers get and, and all really all levels that are trying to pursue the goal of fishing full-time or really even part-time for that matter. You know, the cost for participation in the sport are just through the roof, you know, from right at the weekend angler and all the way through, you know, fishing the Bassmaster Elite Series or the FLW Tour. You know, the term seems to be used from all levels of fishermen. Brandon, are we truly all professionals? And what's your view on that? And how does that refer to our current conversation here with sponsorship? That's something we get asked a lot. You know, and I don't know if some guys kind of you know, get bothered by it or not. I don't get caught up too much on the label professional fisherman. You know, the way I look at it is for me, I am a professional fisherman. The reason I define it that way is simply that I make my living that way. So, you know, that's kind of how I define a professional. You know, I feel like if you make your living through the sport, then you're a professional. You could be a local angler, guide trips, and different things like that. And you could be considered a professional angler as far as I'm concerned. So, there's a lot of different goals to professional anglers. We just happen to be... Once we understand kind of our, our placement, you know, kind of in the system, I guess you might say, we've all sent out what you might call them cold calls or, or we've sent things through the mail to different companies. Um, maybe, you know, it hasn't worked out that great in that regard. What do you consider is the most productive ways to approach or begin interaction with potential sponsors? You know, I, I never have, and Lord willing, I won't ever do a, a standard resume. I don't believe in it. It's not something that I have found to be very productive. I'm not a mass approach kind of guy. My approach has always been, and, and like you said, we do get the, the question regular. I mean, it's probably the number one thing we're asked, especially if you're seen as being fairly successful at it. That's what everybody wants to know. I mean, I can't tell you how many calls this week I've had about it. The advice I give is pretty standard in the fact that as far as to begin a conversation with a company, I feel like you have to have it in, in some way. It doesn't matter if it's the person that answers the phone or the guy in the back loading trucks or the president, but if you have it in, if you can get five minutes of someone's time, you can figure out it's going to be mutually beneficial for both parties, and I think that's the key. That's fantastic advice, Brandon, and you know, my passion is kind of shared with you from the business aspect. I've always been really intrigued, and really, that's the challenge, and, and it relates really to fishing, like what you're 
talking about there of having that in, finding how to make that connection to give you the opportunity to kind of I hate to use this analogy, but, you know, to put your bait in front of that advertiser, right, and develop that personal relationship. So let's break down some of your marketing concepts for the weekend fishermen looking to support a company and in return trying to gain assistance in pursuing whatever their fishing goals are. What are ways an angler can provide assistance to a company and where do you feel a good starting place is for that company? Like I said earlier, that's a really hard question. That's probably what I get the most is, what do I say to them? And the answer is, whatever makes sense. It's not a cop-out answer. That's a legitimate answer. The five minutes that I have with somebody, when I ask them for five minutes, you know, it's to define what their goals are. And every company is so different. Take Bryce Jimsey, okay? You know, I'm obviously on a, on a phone, you know, word word of the bed. I'm driving down the road, but... Price GMC is a local company where I live from. They're not interested in me being at the St. Lawrence River. They're not going to sell a GMC truck to somebody up here today. But I own a tournament trail. I do a boat giveaway every year at the house. They're interested in those things. So for Rice, the proposal that I put together after my five minutes to determine whether or not there's something I can help them with, it's completely different than for, let's just say, 13 fishing, you know, which rods and reels across the country. So what I would try to get every young angler to do or angler starting out, whether young or old, because obviously we know I got a little gray, is to understand the company you're talking to. When you get your five minutes, figure out a way to move the needle. Figure out a way to trigger what they deem is important. And again, every company's different. And then go back to them with a proposal. Go back to them with a proposal that says, okay, I'm Brandon Coulter, you're Rice GMC, you have no interest in my national exposure on DASS. But I've got a tournament trail. I've got 500 members in my tournament trail. What can we do to get you in front of those? What can we do to move those guys in the GMC trucks? We have a boat giveaway. You know, would you guys like to be at those 25 events? We have 20,000 people that sign up for the boat giveaway. Do you want to be a part of that? How do we make that work? So my advice is simply listen to what the company has to say and figure out a way to move the needle for them based on your capabilities. So it's essentially kind of a two-pronged approach. First, maybe perhaps you get the meeting, you get the phone call, the initial interaction, and it's more of a discovery process and seeing really kind of how good of a listener that you are and keeping your your mouth shut, I guess, would be the, you know, not to be too brash, but that's essentially what we're talking about. And then come back and say, okay, based upon the market segment, whether it be a geographic market segment, like you pointed out, regional versus national, understanding that scale, and then figuring out to say, okay, this is how I can show you the money. Exactly. You know, you're trying to move the needle for them. That's where it gets lost on a lot of guys. I was in the advertising business. I was an ad agency, you know, until 2001. That's what I did. And listen, our billboard, so to speak, on our truck and boat is not worth anywhere near what generally we think it is. Amen, okay? right. And so we have to come up with other ways to move the needle. And this is my opinion. Again, you know, it's different for everybody. But as fishermen, as a general rule, we want to say, I'm out there. I'm fishing. I'm doing well. I'm on the stage in the top ten, so I'm worth this. My opinion is you need to do a lot more for a company than mention them on stage. So, like you said, it's a discovery process and then figure out a way that you can use your talents. Everyone has a different talent set. So figure out what yours is and figure out how that relates to the company you're trying to pitch. Well, and and certainly the, the market is evolving just with all of the social media 
and people become, I believe, immune to the ways of old. So you constantly have to be looking to not only engage them in the brand, but more importantly, I believe what sponsors are looking for is for them to take action because that's really what transfers to the bottom line. And certainly your concepts are extremely easy to understand, yet uh, sometimes, you know, it's hard to grasp because like you said, it is somewhat of an intangible factor that we're dealing with and each situation is going to be a little bit different. Can you give our listeners a perspective on how difficult it is to really obtain that evergreen type partnership or sponsorship in the business of fishing? Oh, it's unbelievably difficult. We have an industry that thankfully, you know, over the last five, six, seven, eight years, it's become okay to be a redneck, right? It's kind of gotten cool to be country. Wait, that was a song, wasn't it? Um, I believe it was, but when I say that, in Knoxville, it's always been cool to be country, you know, which is where I live, but, you know, it hasn't always been cool to be country in New York or, you know, some of these places where people are making decisions. So, for whatever reason, there's been a transformation in our nation, in my opinion, of, you know, it's kind of cool to be country. And so, you know, fishing, whether we want it to be cosmopolitan or not, it's still got its roots in country, so. Well, it's like NASA. NASCAR, you know, I mean, exactly, exactly. We're, we're not that far from NASCAR. So that, to me, is the evolving nature of our business. And we're attracting better and better sponsors every year. So, Kurt, I know you go down the non-pandemic road as you well. Bet. And, yeah. you know, that's something that we all need to pursue, I think, a little bit more. You know, how many resumes do you think striking gets a day? I want to stop. Sorry to interrupt you there, Brandon. But non-endemic, yeah. meaning people that are not specifically selling baits or selling product that's used maybe while you're directly on the water. It's like Bass Edge sponsorships, whether it be Lucas Oil. They have a whole lineup of products that's used in the in the automotive industry. That's where they were birthed out of. So that's what you're talking about when you say non-endemic. Exactly. Sponsors that aren't tied to the industry as a provider, basically. So, you know, when you have non-endemics, you know, Twisted Tea would be a perfect example. You know, how many resumes does Twisted Tea get from fishermen? Not many, right? That doesn't mean I want anybody on your radio show to send them a resume. <laughs> I've got that one locked down, guys. But no, I'm teasing. But, you know, you just differentiate yourself from the crowd. You know, if everybody's asking the same eight companies for the same thing, it's really hard to stand out. So when you go to, like we said, non-endemics, this may be the first time that they've talked to a fisherman. So, you know, work on your education process. You know, understand that you're going to have to educate this customer, this client, this sponsor on the industry and its values. One of the biggest things that I see from young fishermen trying to get out there and get sponsorships is, is not understanding their value and what they can bring to a company. Good stuff, Brandon. I, I think, guys, this has been a really awesome conversation. I think it's going to help a lot of Bass Edge listeners that have thought about this process, that are trying to move move up to the next level or take their fishing to a new place. And um, hopefully Bass Edge listeners have been able to really dissect what, what Brandon's shown here and, and the conversation that Aaron has, because I, I think it's super important. And really, quite frankly, the more companies that come into professional bass fishing and, and weekend angling, however you might want to look at it, it's important for the sport because hopefully they can have good feedback and then you know want to grow their fishing marketing models. So uh, this is all good stuff, guys. I tell you what, though, it's time for a quick break. We'll be right back with more from BASS Elite Angler, Brandon Coulter. Oh, 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 oh. 
Eventually, it's going to happen. You'll turn the key and your engine won't start. Don't lose your ability to get around. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts for a super start battery. Whether it's a reliable economy, hardworking premium, or powerful extreme, you'll find it at an everyday low price. Don't let a dead battery slow you down. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Stick around, and later in the show, you just might hear some Bass Edge bloopers. I know it's hard to believe, but Aaron and Kurt make a mistake once in a while. Okay, well, it happens a lot, actually. Back to the show. You're listening to Bass Edge. Bass Edge returns with pro angler Brandon Coulter in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Lucas Oil high-performance marine products from real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements. Visit lucasoil.com. It works. Well, Brandon, you are a rookie on the Elite Series by basically term only, yet you've fished the FLW Tour for several years prior to 2015, and your record certainly shows success when fishing around your home lakes in Middle Tennessee. And anglers often have difficulty doing doing well in a home lake event. How do you avoid that home lake curse that affects other pros and, uh, you know, so, so many anglers out there? And, and is there a formula that you figured out to have success on your home waters? Well, yeah, it's uh, finish 136 from the first one at your home <laughs> and, uh, and figure out what to do. You obviously didn't look at the first FLW event that was on Fort Loudon. No, seriously, you know, when the FLW first came to Fort Loudon, you know, I'm a driver of three wood from the lake there. And it was my first year on the tour. So, it, you know, I fished it the series one year and then, then moved up to the tour. And, you know, the second event, I think, was on Fort Loudon. And I was probably a pretty heavy favorite. I seemed to do well there in March and April, and that's when we were there. You know, a lot of pressure. A lot of people expected me to win it fairly easy. The local guys, you know, obviously we all know it's not easy to win anywhere. But the locals, you know, kind of expected me to kind of handle that one. And, you know, 136 finish later, I learned a whole lot. It was a stepping stone to doing well from there on on my local lake. You know, we had a lot of local anglers in that tournament. You know, we got quite a few guys here from East Tennessee, and I think the highest finish was, you know, like a 70th from Jack Wade or somebody. You know, it was crazy how poor the locals did. And, and what we did is we fished memory. You know, we fished the marsh that we all remember. You know, we have really big tournaments in East Tennessee that are, you know, $10,000 to win, you know, benefit tournaments that time of year every year. And, you know, the guys that do well always seem to do well and fortunately I was one of those but we all fished kind of how it was supposed to be won and we didn't pay attention to what the fish were doing and you know that first event I'll just tell you real quick was the sun came out it was 85 degrees for 10 straight days in March and every fish in the lake went to the bank and we were used to catching them offshore on shallow bars you know where they were staging and so you know we were all out there not catching anything and as you know there's an awful lot of good fishermen on both tours and those guys sure don't have a look at them and catch them and you know, they went sight fishing and absolutely blistered our hind end. So as a general rule, we didn't fish the conditions. You know, I think that that first debacle set the tone and I wasn't going to make that mistake again. So, you know, I kind of wipe out everything and, uh, you know, start with a clean slate. 
when they came back the next time I fished a section of lake that I'd never really fished much before for that reason. I didn't have a lot of memory and I was able to adjust with the conditions and yeah, was fortunate from then on I've had pretty good events around my house. Yeah, you have done really well and that was uh, one of the events you utilized in the uh, Opens last year to qualify for the Elites was over at Lake Douglas. I mean, they've got a lot of great lakes over there in Middle Tennessee, huh? Yeah, it is. You know, I'm a little bit on the east side of Middle Tennessee and we're very, very fortunate. You know, one of the things that attracted me to this area and one of the reasons I think the out the foes and different people do really well on, on tour is we have you know Norris and Cherokee and Douglas which are kind of impoundments and they can be deep and clear and Cherokee's got a lot of rock and mud and then you've got the start of the Tennessee River right you got Fort Loudon and Watts Bar and Chickamauga's only 45 minutes to an hour and you can be in Gunnersville in two hours and you know, we're very very fortunate here to have a lot of different kinds of water you know and our tournament trails generally run on a mix of all those lakes so you, know, you might be fishing Douglas and 35 foot one day and then you come to Fort Loudon where the majority of the time the fish don't go deeper than five foot so you got to kind of hit on all cylinders to fish around here and the guys that do well traditionally have done well when they've made it you know when they've advanced through the sport well I'll tell you what Brandon let's talk a little bit about some of those southern impoundments and the way that you would attack them in August obviously you know August <laughs> is probably one of the most difficult times to fish southern impoundments you know let's take out the TVA variable because we all know TVA lakes have got a lot a lot of current and the fish generally relate to that current on ledges and things like that. So uh, for those folks that have fish a lot of lakes around their house that aren't associated with TVA lakes, how are you going to attack these late summer conditions based on your past experience? One is I would get in the truck and drive north. You know, I <laughs> right. Because, you know, we're getting ready to fish up here and it's, they're kind of dumb up here. You know, they like to bite up north. But now if you don't have that option and you're going to stay around in the south, you know, one of the things that I've noticed and I've made the mistake myself for years and years is as it gets hotter, I tend to stay out, you know, and I keep thinking the fish are going to get deeper to get cooler water and all that. Something I've learned over the years, you know, if I could give anybody one piece of advice, I don't know what happens to our water. I don't know if it's water quality. I don't know if it's nature versus temperature, you know, of a fish. But for whatever reason in the South, once kind of really late July and early August, fish really seem to move shallow. And I don't know the reason for that. And that's just not on grass lakes. That's on every lake that I've come across in the South. You know, I tend to put my deep stuff up. I tend to put all my top waters and my buzz baits and my flipping gear. And I've had a lot more success in August since I've just ignored the temperature and I've moved up to where the fish shouldn't be, which is in two and three foot of water. And you can really distance yourself going shallow in the hottest months. And that's interesting. And kind of going back to a comment that you made earlier, Brandon, pertaining to fishing the conditions versus maybe familiarity is the fact the lakes that I grew up on kind of around the Midwest, you know, Table Rock, of course, being one that I probably spent the most time on, like the Ozarks, those type of things, you know, we're going offshore, we're going deep brush piles, or we're going out over treetops, you know, where the big schools Mm -hmm. are are, are following the bait. So if you take that basically to Middle Tennessee this time of year, what you're telling me is you're probably going to just get a suntan and that's about it. Yeah, I think, you know, you can compete out there, you know, but again, it's to me, you're not as consistent out there. You know, you might run into them one day and then you don't run into them again forever because they're chasing bait or whatever but a big group of the fish i do this for a living i should probably know why i should probably talk to one of my pwra guys or tva guys but you know for whatever reason on the southern impoundment whether you're in south carolina you know take a look at one of the championships for the tours out there you know the forcewood cups always in august it's dominated generally shallow if it's in south carolina or somewhere like that so for whatever reason and, and I, 
I've got to think it has something to do with water quality. What we've noticed in the past, you know, just in some of the conversations with biologists, and of course every single fisheries biologist will begin the question or the answer, I should say, with we think, because obviously nobody knows <laughs> for a fact, but I think we're getting closer to that time of year where the oxygen is starting to stratify, so it's starting to scatter, and, you know, fish obviously are going to look for that comfort, that food source, that security. Well, you know, the bait fish and that which they feed on is going to do be doing the same, so, you know, I, I think then it comes down to just a level of comfort and where that oxygen content is probably going to be the highest and, and perhaps, you know, on some of those reservoirs and impoundments that you speak of. Maybe that's the scientific reason. If not, it sure as heck sounds good to the listeners. I'm good with it. I'll go with that. <laughs> well, there's, no, there, there's one thing that's for certain is any time that uh, an angler's hitting the water like we are now in August, it's generally a little bit of a grind. So Bass Edge listeners, be optimistic, but keep it in check. You're going to have to fish hard to catch fish, whether deep or shallow because there's a lot of movement going on in the biological sense as far as what's going on in that environment. So uh, always keep that in mind. And gentlemen, we're running out of time on this episode, but we got to get in our O'Reilly Auto Parts Better Parts, Better Prices Every Day listener question segment. Today's question comes from Tad Phipps from Virginia. Tad asks, what factors will make you change your location and lure if you're fishing a pattern you're confident in but not getting bites? Sometimes I'm fishing a pattern and I feel the fish will turn on as the sun warms the water, specifically like in the early spring, so I'll stick with it. Sometimes it works out, but sometimes it doesn't. Can you help them out with that patterning information, Brandon? Well, absolutely, Tad. I'll tell you what, if I knew when to move every time, I'd own the tour by now. But uh, <laughs> you know, that's something that, that's a really difficult decision. Here's the answer I give a lot of people. You know, We get asked that question a lot. We get asked a lot of questions similar to it. You know, In fishing, right and wrong decisions you know, that's the question I always get. How do you know to make the right decision? We seem to be making the right decision more than a different angler. To me, Dad, there's not right and wrong decisions. They're all just decisions. And you do them with every ounce of effort you have in your body. And sometimes they work out for you and sometimes they don't. And I'll give you just a quick example. You may go make a decision to stick with that pattern and you end up catching 15 pounds and you win your local tournament. Well, that's great. You're going to immediately assume that was the right decision. However, if you made the other decision, you might have caught the lake record and caught 25. So we never know in life if they're the right or wrong decisions, in my opinion. They're just decisions, and you make that decision, and you put every ounce of effort you have behind it, and that's how you need to fish when you go to the next, when you either change or you stick with it. But specifically, in the spring, the fish are patternable. What I would do is always try to stay ahead of the fish. So if I'm fishing a pattern, and I'm fishing offshore, and I know they're moving to the bank, I'm going to give it its fair share, but once it doesn't happen, I'm going to try to go to where the fish are going to, not where they've been. So I would say try to stay ahead of the fish and uh, make a decision and put all you have into it, and uh, hopefully it'll turn out and you'll end up on the podium at your local event. That is excellent advice for Tad. Tad, congratulations for having your question answered on the show. Don't forget, shoot us an email. Let us know that you heard your question answered on Bass Edge Radio, and we will send out that $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. And as always, listeners, questions and comments should be sent to our email address, support at BassEdge.com, or leave us a comment on our social media outlets, Facebook and Twitter. Brandon, I have really enjoyed this episode. We appreciate
appreciate you taking the time to be with us, and I'm sure our listeners do as well. You got any closing thoughts for them? Guys, it was a, a joy for me. You know, I, I love being able to take my experiences and, and share them with the guys out there. And if I can ever help anybody, just reach out to me. You can find me on you know, all the normal places, Facebook, Twitter, you know, Instagram, all that stuff. And, you know, happy to help you guys. And, uh, you know, hope it was informational for the listeners out there and love to come back sometime. It's certainly great to have you on here, Brandon. And, and one tip, closing thought that I do have for you is, you know, when you're out there on tour, be sure not to drink too many twisted teas with uh, Mr. <laughs> Kurt Dove because he does get a little uh, a little crazy. So, But, no, seriously, best of luck in the last few events of 2015. We will definitely have you back on the show. Bass Edge Radio, we'll be right back after these messages. Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. Once again, Aaron, I think, uh, you know, Brandon set the bar there. Referring back to his article that he did last May in Bassmaster.com was great, but really he was able to provide us a little more detail in what Bass Edge listeners, if, if they're looking in that sponsor section, you know, what they can do as far as helping them advance, you know, their potential. That was great stuff by Brandon. I got to say, though, I remember the song I was talking about. It's uh, I Was Country When Country wasn't cool. I do remember that song. That's, that's, yeah, that's going to be in your head the rest of the day now, Kurt. Oh, dude. So, rest of the day, rest of the month. <laughs> yeah. oh. oh, that's right. That's right. Are, are you are you cool yet? I, I guess. I mean, oh, dude, I'm so. I I got me some boots, man. I got some Justin boots and uh, or, or Ariat. I, I got some Ariat clothes, dude. You moved to Texas. You moved to Del Rio, Texas. You got the Ariat clothing. You know, really nice Western wear, and uh, you got the boots. When you go to the rodeo. Man, it's like going to prom. You know, you don't show up at the rodeo in shorts and short sleeve shirts. You gotta have your boots. You gotta have that Ariat nice shirt. I'm telling you, you know, it matches the barbed wire tattoo around your your bias, your massive guns. It's a culture, brother. It's a culture, and I'm and I've dove in deep. I love it out there. So So we digress, but uh, yeah, back to the reality of of what we're talking about. Before we lose half of our audience, is the fact that (laughs) I think you're exactly right. He was spot on every single relationship that Bass Edge has, whether it be Keelguard, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil, Legend Bose, Mercury, you know, Power Pole, all of the different ones, Lawrence, started with that relationship and developing that and not really trying to say make a pitch but yeah, getting yeah. to understand those needs that discovery process and developing that and letting that evolve over time and uh, I think he was spot on a lot of his recommendations let me say real quick too real important one of the key aspects that Brandon said is I don't have a fishing resume there's no such thing a lot of these 
relationships, partnerships are from walking into the right person and meeting the right individual. And that's so important. And, and if you're not living the lifestyle, if you're not talking about it all the time, you're not going to meet those people. But if you're a full-timer like Brandon and I are and out there fishing, that's all you do. That's all you talk about all the time. So people that you come in contact with are very important and uh, you never know where those things can lead. But, you know, that's part of business. Well, certainly, you know, one of the things in business is that they first teach you is people remember how you make them feel, not what you say. And that has to be backed up with actions. And I think Brandon brought that full circle, left us with some great stuff. And speaking of leaving, it is time for us to find the exit as Bass Edge Radio episode number 213 is in the books. I want to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. Be sure to send in those listener questions to win that $100 O'Reilly Auto Park gift card. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin, and we will see you next time right here on Episode 214, August 15th. So long, everybody. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. One, two, three, four. Bass Edge is at the door. Let us on in, folks. It's time for another episode of Bass Edge Radio, brought to you by MegaWare Keelguard. MegaWare, keeping your boat safe from harmful rocks and road debris. Make sure you get a Keelguard for your boat. Did you hear that? I did hear that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, I was just thinking about uh, any thoughts here. Thanks, Kurt. Um, Another fine intro. <laughs> you got me a slap silly <laughs> The Edge is presented by Keelguard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lowrance, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com. <laughs>